Hello and welcome to this week's Spine Chillers and Serial Killers. I'm Tash. I'm Emma. And I'm Becky. Trying to compete with Tash there, yeah. I just thought I'd throw out my uh, sexy phone sex voice just in case. I enjoyed it. Some offers there, just putting it out there. You know, what did you guys think? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it sounded sexy. Oh, thanks. I'm already seduced, babes. Really? Becky, you snort. She's always seduced by you. Yeah. (laughs) I wonder how long it's going to take this time. Should we time it? Time to the to the first snort of the episode. Yes. Mm. (laughs) You ladies, all right? Yeah, all good in the hood. Thanks. Thank you. I'm also fine. You're welcome, and I'm glad. (laughs) (laughs) But you just spoke bad, and I was all the wrong way around. It's fine. How are you, Emma? Oh, you know, I'm marvellous. Good. I'm always good. I'm always good. So, guess the fuck what? Go on. This blew my mind. Guess guess up. Um, The sky is blue. The sky is... Isn't that an optical illusion that it's blue and it's not I don't know. I said it and I instantly regretted it. (laughs) We'll save that for another time. <laughs> yeah, let's science with Becky. Look it up for next week, Bex. <laughs> One of our serial chillers. See what I did there? Ooh, I did. That's the term now that we're going to use. I'll see it. I'll see it. Called Julie. All right, me Julie. She's only been to fucking Pluckley. No, she fucking hasn't. She fucking has. Oh, it's a pantomime. No, no, she hasn't. Oh, yes, she has. <laughs> <laughs> behind you <laughs> love a panto and guess what tell me more she only saw a fucking ghost oh no she didn't <laughs> oh yes she did <laughs> julie how was it <laughs> no but seriously she's been to plugly and she saw a ghost which one did she see well we're not sure but potentially oh. she saw the monk Ooh. Was he wearing a gown and had a bald head? No, no, no. She saw, she said they were driving back from the pub and it was a clear day. It wasn't misty or foggy or anything like that. And they saw a misty figure like walking across a field. Okay. And she's pretty sure that where that figure was walking is near to where a monastery used to be, which would indicate that possibly... She saw the monk. <gasps> oh. How did she feel? Well, she, I, I mean, she, she uh, I don't know. She was like, ooh, it's a ghost. I don't know. I didn't know. Oh, you off guard, didn't it? That picture, that question. <laughs> you were like, oh. oh, 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 oh. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Stop it with your hard questions about <laughs> sky colour and how people are feeling. I don't know how she felt. I love how the best stories somehow involve a pub. So that's great. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I agree. She'd been to the pub. Oh. But yeah. That's interesting, isn't it? I know, blew my mind. I was like, no fucking way. And there you go. So, pluckily, it really is haunted. I'm not talking bollocks, see? No, you're not. I'm not. I'm telling you. Well, if Julie says it's true, must be. (laughs) Look, our serial chillers, they know what's up. They know. They know what's up. They can be trusted. They can be trusted. Speaking of which, speaking of serial chillers. Go on. 
the song, I only had two answers. I think my songs are too difficult. Oh my God, your song was so difficult. Even when I found out from you what it was, I still don't know what it is. <laughs> Maybe it's just because I listen to music that you don't. I don't know. I mean, potentially, but it's good to have different songs because not everyone listens to the same thing, do they? When you do a Beyonce song, I'm like, I've got no fucking idea. Cause, I mean, yeah, exactly. So anyway, this was Nights on Broadway by the Bee Gees. And if you don't know what song that is, go and look Emma's it up. Emma's going to sing it for you now. <laughs> I'm definitely not going to sing it. But go look it up because the lyrics, without anybody touching it, creepy as fuck. It was Nights on Broadway and I had two right answers that were Stacey and Ruth. So well done, ladies. Well done, ladies. It was a real tough one. It was a tough one. It was. But I'm not going to make it any easier because where's the fun in that? Yeah. Nowhere. There's no fun in that. The lyrics are like, here we are in a room full of strangers standing in the dark. Where your eyes couldn't see me. So, I yeah. thought you weren't going to sing it. I, well, I lied. She, well, you, you bigged her up. <laughs> she was confident and I she did. went for it and I, I appreciated it. Yeah, me too. I think she did a great job. Oh, thanks, girls. We also had Randy as well. She wrote in and she got Go Randy. Right. Go Randy. Go Randy. Another one Another right. Another one right. She's not one wrong. Yeah, she's in the game is Randy, isn't she? And Ruth is doing really well, actually, at the minute. Ruth is not missing a beat. Go, Ruth. Randy, I don't know if this is you, but somebody on TikTok, I went on our TikTok, and we're trying our best on TikTok, but, you know, just bear with us. Somebody had liked, like, loads of our videos, had loads of notifications, and when I looked, it was just all one person, and it was a person called Randy. Randy, was that you? And if it was, thank you very much. That's really nice. Thank you. Whoever, whichever Randy. Oh, whichever Randy it was, but... Yeah, I want to know if it's... Especially if it's our Randy. Is it our serial chiller, Randy? That's what I want to know. Anyway, <laughs> Tinder with Tash? Uh, did you have something to tell us about uh, Madeline McLean? Oh, yes, I did. It was just a short update because we were talking about it last week. So I've now kind of changed my mind and I don't think it's her. <laughs> okay. Because she posted a photo, I don't know if you guys saw, but she posted a photo of her birth mum. And I think she was expecting everybody to be like, oh my God. You look you... nothing like Yeah, her. but she looks exactly like her. Okay. So yeah, there's that. There's also the fact that apparently she's like mentally not very well. Yeah. And I think this is the most like important point of information. If uh, Madeline McCann's parents, I can't remember what the name is. Is it Kate and Jerry or something like that? Yeah, it's exactly that. Oh, there you go. Go brain. If they thought for a split second that that was their kid, they'd already be in Poland doing DNA tests. Yeah. And, and there's none of that going on. But I, I honestly think this happens quite a lot. I think this isn't the first time I've heard about it. So Yeah, I think yeah. it happens every every other so many years. Well, that's yeah. really, really sad for them. Like, yeah, really horrible. sad. But yeah, it's just the fact that a week's gone by now and that nothing's actually moved. And I'm just thinking, if you thought that was your kid, you'd be, you'd be there. Oh, definitely. 
Yeah. But then somebody posted a photo of uh, this woman next to uh, Madeleine McCann's sister and they look identical. So now I'm like... Oh. But doppelgangers, mate. Like, yeah, so many people look like somebody that's from a different country. True. Like, it happens. Like... It does. It definitely happens. It does. Anyway, who knows? I think she Nobody might just knows. be a troubled, troubled soul... But yeah, it sucks for the family to have to, because it's really famous now, isn't it? It's been massively publicised. Yeah, also, I mean, TikTok has a lot to answer for that, doesn't it? Because it's so widely used, isn't it? So stuff just gets around really, really quickly. Yeah. Anyway, that that was it. That was a little update. We have well, no more news. Yeah. So, Tinder with Tash? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's put on that jingle. Sit down, you boys and girls, and everyone in between. Story time. Cash has stories for you, both funny and obscene. Ooh. Did she swipe right, swipe left, or find out he had a rash? Ew. We're about to find out, because it's Tinder with Tash. Okay, so, talking of TikTok, I saw something on TikTok the other day that really made me laugh, and I thought, do you know what? I'm going to see that. So I can't remember which TikTok account it was, so I can't credit them. But if you hear this, well done. It made me laugh. And basically it was a girl had matched with a man. And from what she was saying, I believe that she would typically match with women. And for shits and giggles, she decided to match with men. Her opening message would be... A message to them as if they had been a long-term couple and she was having a go at them and starting an argument with them. Right. To see whether they match her energy and respond in that, respond to the argument. Good. Okay. What, like, Brian, you've forgotten the biscuits and or something like that? Yeah. That, yeah. Okay, go on. I thought this was hilarious. Previous times I have done an energy match message. Often that involves gifts where I will send a gift to a man. If he replies with a gift, we just carry on communicating through gifts. I enjoy that interaction. I think it's funny. Also the word gif. Is it gif or is it jif? <laughs> I don't know. I say gif. I don't think anybody knows. I always say Gif, Jif. I always say both because I don't know. I'd say oh, gif God. because Jif is what Sif used to be called. Yeah, oh, the, okay. the cleaner. So yeah. it can't be two, can't be both. I mean, like the little silent moving videos that sometimes are a scene from a film. I mean, or... we all know. We all know what you mean. <laughs> I hope everyone knows. Everybody knows because we've said GIF and JIF. Now we've covered all the bases. We've covered all bases. G-I-F, in case you just sound out the letters. Everybody knows, <laughs> Tash. Everybody knows. Um, so that's an interaction I've had before, several times. Arguably, they've never actually led to a date. So, but fine. It's still fine, fun when it's happening. Um, So I decided to run with this one that the girl had done. I've now messaged two men in this way. Uh, The first guy was a man called Rich. And I messaged him, Rich, I don't know how many times I have to tell you to put the toilet seat down. Jesus, man, don't you understand about poo particles when you flush the shitter? 
Oh, Jesus. That's not sexy. Marriage isn't. Marriage isn't sexy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you are brushing your teeth with poo brush. Oh, my God. Straighten with the poo. All right. We're straighten there with the poo. I thought I was so funny writing this. He just responded, sorry, question mark. I put, you know what you did. (laughs) (laughs) He just put, right, okay. So Rich hasn't got the memo. Rich isn't funny. He did not match the energy. No, he didn't match the energy. No, we're not vibing with Rich. We're not vibing with Rich. So I've done another one this evening, which will be a to be continued because they haven't replied yet. All right. This is a gentleman called Ryan. I put seriously, Ryan, I cannot and will not keep doing this. I don't think it's unreasonable to ask you to pick up your dirty pants and socks after you've showered. I can. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. so serious when I'm doing this as well I put I cannot for the life of me understand why you will pick up your t-shirt and bottoms and put them in the laundry but not your smalls I beg you one last time please just please put them in the laundry too full stop I don't know whether he's gonna kind of think that you're kind of going for that mummy mummy fantasy thing where he has to call you mommy. <laughs> that, you know how people are a bit into the whole daddy thing. Oh, yes, daddy. Oh, my God. Is that what you're reading into that? Becky's fucked up, man. I wasn't yeah. I'm that. hoping he's just going to be like, do you know what? When you start doing X, Y, and Z, something that he may find annoying will be the day that I start putting my pants and socks in the laundry. That's what we're hoping for. This is what I'm hoping for. Match, so I'm hoping match he the then vibe. Matches the vibe. And then it I'm just I'm really escalates. hoping that, ma- that Brian says, sorry, mommy. <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> no. I want him to match the energy. <laughs> and then I want it to evolve into some weird argument where, like, we're calling out, like, his auntie Sandra, who, like, you know, like, it just evolves. And, you know, when you have an argument and then it ends up being an argument about something that happened six years ago. This is the type of argument I want it to be. I think anybody that listens to this podcast that is on Tinder needs to do this and tell tell us what happens, because this is hilarious. I'll try and find the TikTok and send it to you, because it was so funny. It, like, escalated. It kept on going, and by the end of it, they were getting divorced because she shagged his brother on the wedding night. Like, <laughs> I was like... Like none of it's true, obviously. It's all on Tinder. I was laughing so much, but the backs and forwards was so funny. You need to find that. And uh, so, yeah. yeah, if anybody else is on Tinder, get doing that. That's funny as fuck. That's funny yes. as fuck. Do it. Send us the proof. We'll read it out because it could, you know, just great fun. Great fun. Great fun. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it for Tinder. So let's uh, smash on with uh, everything else. Everything else. Guys, I'm going to take you on a journey today. A big, long journey. A big, spooky journey. I started look, doing this story thinking it would just be a normal episode, and it turned out that it had quite a fair bit of information that I wasn't 
actually counting on. So buckle in and get comfortable because it's going to be a long one. Okay. This week, I'm going to talk about a lady called Esther Cox. Esther Cox? Did you say Cox? Esther Cox. Esther Cox over here? Esther Cox over there? (laughs) I was just waiting for the Cox joke. Is that Cox with an X? or? Yeah, Cox with an X. Ah, we were hoping for CKS. I know, you're always hoping for CK, aren't you? Mm. Yeah. One can only dream. In 1878, Esther Cox, who was 18 at the time, moved into a house in Amherst, Nova Scotia. I think that's how that's pronounced. Sorry if it's not. Sounds good. And just say it with confidence, babe. Yeah. So that's in Canada. She lived there with her sister Olive and her husband Daniel Teed. I like the name Olive. Olive, yeah. It's nice. Wasn't that Popeye's girlfriend? Yeah. Esther lives with Olive and her husband Daniel Teed and their two children. Daniel's brother John also lived there, as did Esther's other sister, Jane, and her other brother, William. So it's quite a full house. Lots of people. Yeah, I'm not going to remember all those names. Is that okay? That's fine. Okay. Lots of teeds, lots of cocks. The house was a small two-story building, so as you can imagine, it was somewhat crowded, uh-huh. which meant that Esther had to share a bed with her sister Jane. Shortly after she moved, she met a young man called Bob and fell very quickly in love with him. Much to the dismay of the family, Bob did not have a very good reputation. But Esther was stubborn and didn't listen to their warnings, even after she had sat out front of her house waiting for him to come and collect her, and he never did. She refused to believe anything bad about him. The following night, Bob turned up at the Teed's house and told Esther to grab her coat and hat as he was taking her out for a ride in his horse and buggy, and he would explain why he hadn't showed up the previous night. Esther was ecstatic and jumped into his buggy for a romantic ride. However, as they got into a more secluded area, Bob's attitude flipped. He jumped out of the buggy and grabbed a revolver and pointed it at Esther. Gosh, dramatic. I know. In what is suspected to be an attempt at rape. Esther was stunned and didn't believe it and was just like, could you just take me home, please? At which point he pressed a revolver against her chest. Just as she began to realise the seriousness of the situation, another buggy was heard on the road and Bob panicked and jumped back in and took Esther home. Okay. I know. So, Bob's a dick. Yeah. She was absolutely devastated. She ran upstairs and sobbed her heart out. She didn't let anyone else in the house know exactly what had happened. They just assumed that the pair had fallen out, but nothing like what had actually gone on. The following days, a distraught Esther seemed inconsolable and seemed to hate being inside and would go for long walks or would visit the neighbours, but when night time came, she would return home and just cry into her pillow. Her family were getting worried about her, her sister even saying that if she didn't stop, she might go crazy and they'd have to have her committed. This seemed to make Esther stop, but sadly her sadness appeared to have summoned something. Something otherworldly. Something evil. It started with strange scratching noises, as it always fucking does. 
Yep. Esther jumped from the bed, screaming, there's a mouse. Her sister, equally afraid of mice, also jumped up. They searched everywhere, but found nothing. This went on for a few nights, when the scratching moved to a sewing box they had under the bed. They got the box out to look at it. When they did so, it jumped out of their hands and fell on its side. They picked it up again, and again it jumped out of their hands and fell on its side. At which point the pair of sisters screamed for someone to come. Daniel arrived in the bedroom, so Daniel is Olive's husband. So Olive is the other sister. Yep. And Daniel's her husband. Okay. He arrives in the bedroom to see what on earth the fuss is about. They told him about the levitating sewing box. But he didn't believe them, saying they'd either imagined it or dreamt it and went back to bed grumbling about being woken up. Wanker. (laughs) I mean, telling two people that they've dreamt the exact same thing. A bit strange, but... Yeah, I get get being, being woke up in the night, though. No one's not grumpy. No, he was a bit grumpy. Mm. The next night, around 8.30, Esther began feeling unwell, so her sisters told her to go lie down, which she did. Jane went to bed around 10, and after being in bed for about 15 minutes, Esther leapt out of bed screaming, Oh my God, what's happening? I'm dying! Jane, wake up! Jane lit the lamp, thinking her sister had had a nightmare. But when she saw Esther's face, she screamed in terror. Esther's face was blood red and her eyes were bulging out of her head. The other family members came to the bedroom alerted by Jane's screams and they were all super shocked to see Esther in such a state. What's happening? asked Daniel. No one knew what to do. They thought Esther had actually now lost her mind. But just as he spoke, Esther became limp and weak. All the colour drained from her face and she needed help getting back into bed. But as soon as she was in bed, she said in a strangled voice, I'm swelling up. I'm going to burst. I know I'm going to. Daniel looked at her and was horrified to see that she was indeed swelling up. She was now burning with fever, even though moments before she was as cold as ice. Esther continued to swell and her body had now increased to an impressive size. Then, out of nowhere, came a huge bang, like thunder. Olive screamed. What was that? Was the house hit by lightning? And rushed off to check on her children, who surprisingly were still fast asleep. She returned to Esther's room and looked out of the window. The sky was clear and the stars were out. It couldn't have been a storm. She then noticed that Esther had returned to her normal size and had fallen fast asleep, exhausted by the whole affair. Everyone went off to bed. Jane got into bed with Esther and watched her for the rest of the night. The next day, the entire family were all discussing what possibly could have caused all of that and the weird noise that they'd heard all through the night. With no one coming up with a logical explanation, they decided just to keep it quiet as they didn't want word getting out that odd stuff was happening. Four days later, at around 10pm, Esther said she could feel another episode happening. So Jane told her to lie perfectly still to see if it passed. It did not. In fact, all the bedsheets were torn off the two girls and landed in a rumpled pile in the corner of the room. At this, Jane fainted and Esther began to swell up again. The other family members heard the commotion and went to see what was going on. 
they were shocked to see Esther all swollen and in agony again, and Jane looked like she was dead. God. Olive ran to get the covers from the corner and put them over the two sisters, but they immediately got yanked off the girls and returned to the same corner, where they kind of seemed to just shuffle about on the floor, which I don't know why, but that bit really scared me. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Imagining a pile of rumpled bedclothes just kind of like shuffle 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 moving by itself i didn't like that like there's a small animal underneath him or something. yeah exactly a pillow then yanked itself from under esther's head and whacked poor john in the face oh a bit rude oh dear at this john left the room saying he'd had enough and wouldn't step foot in that room again which you know fair, fair enough yeah he was like i've had enough i'm leaving <laughs> Well, he's just been whacked in the face with a it's pillow. It's rude, isn't it? It is, it is rather it. rude. Olive grabbed the sheets again and told everyone to sit on a corner to stop them from flying off. Esther began saying her head really hurt. So Daniel went to get her some water. But as he arrived at the door, extremely loud bangs coming from under the bed sounded throughout the house, so loud and violent they made the floor shake. And then just like before... Esther regained her normal appearance and Jane came to from her fainting attack. Both girls instantly fell asleep, exhausted, and the family all went back to their own rooms. Yeah, just oh. went back to sleep. That nothing could happen. I was like, oh, everything's five now. Yeah, let's just yeah. get on with our days. She's just swelling up like she's eaten a sweet from Willy Wonka's factory. That's what I keep, that's my image in, the, in my head is just that, but not blue. But not blue, yeah, but I genuinely think that's how she was swelling up. And yeah, the, we've got sheets that are flying off the bed and moving by themselves. But apart Wild. from that, let's just all go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I didn't really have the same image as you, though, with the whole clothes moving around. I had the, you know, that music, that... As it was moving around. So mine was like a... Yeah, so mine was like jolly as it was moving around, so... Oh, no, this yeah. is sinister as fuck. There's no Mickey Mouse I mean, waving a magic wand. I don't like that that show. What? Fantasia. Fantasia. No. No, it makes me feel really uneasy, that show. Is it the brooms with all the water and you not being it's able to... It's just weird, isn't it? And the it? music's really stressful, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I can see it. Thanks. Thanks for validating my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> so the next day, Esther was very weak and the family decided it was time to get a doctor. So Daniel finished work early to go and ask Dr. Carrot to come and see Esther. Dan told him the whole story. who laughed at him saying that obviously none of that had actually happened, but that he would definitely come and see Esther as soon as he could and stay to watch her to see what was going on. The doctor arrived around 10pm and sat down next to Esther, who was in bed. He took her pulse and examined her and announced that his diagnosis was nervous excitement. <laughs> She's a horny fucker. <laughs> nervous excitement. Oh, that's how I feel before we record. I'm like, <laughs> oh, it's nervous excitement. It sounds like what when I have to make a bowel movement before I know that yeah. I'm travelling the next day. <laughs> That's nervous excitement, but I need to poo. Yeah, like a nervous poo. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> I hope this doctor gets a pillar to the face. 
Surprise, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> yes, he says his diagnosis is nervous excitement, probably due to terrible trauma. At that exact moment, a pillow stood straight I up. I knew it! <laughs> Psychic. As if filled with air. I thought it was going to say, as if filled with pillowy rage. <laughs> <laughs> it rose up and threw itself at the doctor's face. I'll show you nervous excitement. <laughs> And I'm feather-filled, so you know that that spiky feather is just going to catch your face in a really horrible way right near the eye. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh, Becky, you've really got into my life. (laughs) Maybe I was an evil pillow in a past life. I was going to say, at the end credits, I'm going to say, Becky was the role of the evil pillow. (laughs) 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 My husband sat in the other room, but he's like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) Okay, so we've got this pillow that stood straight up like it's filled with air. It stayed like that for a few moments and then fell back on the bed, so it didn't hit the doctor in the face. His other pillow friends was like, no, Frank, calm down. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like, okay then. So the doctor was shocked and asked if everyone had seen that. John, who obviously decided to come back in the room again said, yes, we all did, but it won't do it again because if it does, I'll grab it, even if it does whack me in the head like it did last night. John's still pouting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's getting his own back on this sodden pillow. So sure enough, the pillow stood vertically once more and John grabbed hold of it so it couldn't flop down. But whatever was holding the other end of the pillow was a lot stronger than John and eventually he had to let go. And as he did, every hair on his head stood on end. (laughs) Well, like he'd been electrocuted. Yeah. (laughs) All right. I'm sorry. It's just funny. (laughs) But it wouldn't be funny if I was in the same room. It would be funny if it happened to you, because that's a lot of hair to stand on That's a lot of hair. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that'd look weird. The doctor thought this was all absolutely incredible. And as he got up from his chair to go towards the door, the banging happened again, coming from under the bed to begin with, but then coming from under the floorboards following each step the doctor took. I'm not not liking the whole under the floorboards stuff. No. Horrible. Then they all heard a scratching sound coming from the wall. And to their horror, as they turned to look at where the sound was coming from, they saw scratched into the wall Esther Cox's mind to kill. Then a huge piece of plaster fell from the wall and levitated its way across the room to fall at the doctor's feet. The banging began again and it lasted for two hours, after which it stopped and again Esther fell asleep exhausted. The doctor said he suspected all this was due to Esther's nervous condition. Of course, you know, that's well well known fact to make sure, stuff sure. levitate and shit. And that he'd be back in the morning to give her something to calm her down. So he basically told her that she she was hysterical. Yeah. And it's her fault. It's nervous excitement, but yes. <laughs> nervous excitement. <laughs> so he's coming back in the morning to give her something to calm her down and that he suspected all the weird activity would also stop once she was feeling better. When he arrived in the morning, he was surprised to see Esther doing the washing up. She seemed bright enough and said she felt better. 
although she was very jumpy. She went down to the basement to get some milk, only to come rushing back upstairs, panicked, saying someone was down there and that they'd thrown a plank of wood at her. The doctor took it upon himself to go down and check. He, of course, saw no one, so he called Esther to come down to show her that there was no one there. But the minute she went down, potatoes began levitating above their heads. Wow. (laughs) You've done it now. I'm a true believer now. Yeah. Causing them both to run upstairs terrified. The doctor left the house, saying he'd be back in the evening to give Esther some more medication for her nerves. Morphine, to be more precise. Morphine for nerves? Yeah. So he was sedating her? Yes. He did see the flying potatoes? He did see the flying potatoes. Potatoes! Potatoes! (laughs) (laughs) The need was great. I know, I know. I'm surprised you didn't say, and then all the potatoes in the thing. He did indeed return and gave Esther a healthy dose of morphine, saying she'd be able to get a good night's sleep now. But right on cue, the banging started again, louder and faster than before. And this time it sounded like it was coming from all over the house, even the roof. Dr. Carrot ran outside to see if anyone was up there, but there was no one to be seen. He returned indoors and stayed at Esther's bedside until it stopped around midnight. And then he took his leave. As he was leaving, however, it started again. He could hear it from outside the house, and as he walked away, he heard it even 200 metres away. Of course, with such noises happening every day and night, rumours soon began to spread around town that something odd was happening at the Teed House. The doctor visited every day, sometimes multiple times a day. Yes, definitely something was off. On one of his visits, Esther became stiff as a board and cold as ice and flung her arms above her head towards the headboard and began telling the doctor everything that had happened on that awful night with Bob. Esther was in a trance-like state and when she returned to normal, she had no recollection of what she had just told everyone. But when they asked her, she confirmed it all. The family admitted that they knew something was off as ever since that night, Bob had not been seen in the village again. I think they need to hunt Bob down. Mm. They then began to suspect that it was Bob making all the banging noises to torture Esther. And as they said this, the bangs began again. Jane told the doctor that she wondered if whatever was making the noise could understand them. And so, in turn, the doctor asked out loud, Can you understand what we're saying, whatever you are? Three loud bangs that shook the house came as a reply. Well, that settles that, said the doctor. It's listening to us. To test their theory, Daniel asked how many people were in the room. Esther had no way of knowing as she was hiding under her blankets, terrified, and two people had left the room since she'd hidden. Five loud bangs came as a response, and there were indeed five people in the room. The rumours arrived to the ears of a Dr. Clay, and he wanted to see the phenomena for his own eye. I can never say phenomena. Phenomena? Phenomena. I think it's one of those words, isn't it? Yeah. Phenomena. So he wanted to see it for his own eyes, so he arranged a visit and very quickly he became convinced that none of the family members were making these events happen intentionally. He did, however, suspect that the trauma that Esther had experienced had turned her into a sort of battery and that occasionally she sent out like thunderbolts and that this was what was making the noise. 
Now, to me, this seems extremely far-fetched. And yet, he did many conferences about Esther Cox that attracted loads of people. He compared a woman to a battery. Yeah, she's a battery. What? Great. Trauma-filled battery. A nervous pooper battery. Yeah. Great. I think it's more likely that her trauma unleashed huge amounts of negative energy attracting a poltergeist. But anyway, that's not part of the story. That's more plausible. Yeah. When you hear all the stories that has happened before, though, that that there's a pattern there. Yeah. Yeah. And it follows that. I've never heard of somebody becoming a trauma battery. No. No, I wasn't talking about the battery side. I was talking about the poltergeist side. The poltergeist, as I say. (laughs) (laughs) So people from all around now wanted to come and see what was happening at the Teed House. And their home was often packed full of curious thrill seekers. So much so that people were actually queuing outside, waiting for there to be enough room to go inside. Police even had to be called to maintain order outside. While some definitely believed they were seeing paranormal activity... Others claimed it was all a fraud, and some even went as far to accuse Esther of hypnotising them into seeing things that weren't there. Things kept up at the same pace until December. The activity had started in August. But when Esther caught diphtheria and was bedridden for two weeks, everything stopped. She then went to visit another one of her sisters, a Mrs Snowden, and stayed there for a further two weeks, and again, nothing strange occurred. It was only when she went home that things started again. She was in bed with Jane in a different room as the family had decided to swap rooms around trying to see if that would stop the activity, but it didn't. Esther woke her sister saying that she'd just heard a ghostly voice tell her that it was going to set the house on fire during the night. Oh my god. The voice also said that it had lived on earth before its death but had been dead for a good few years now. The sisters immediately called in the rest of the family to tell them about the terrifying prediction. But they all just laughed it off, saying that Dr. Clay had explained that she was a battery and that it was all (laughs) due to electricity coming out of Esther. We're just accepting that as an explanation. And that unless Esther was about to start shooting lightning bolts, everything would be fine. Just as they were laughing it off, a lit match fell from the ceiling onto the girl's bed. Fucking hell. It obviously would have started a fire, as back then everybody slept on a straw mattress. But Jane quickly put it out. Over the next ten minutes, multiple matches fell from the ceiling into the bedroom that everyone quickly put out. Then the banging started again. The family now knew how to communicate with the ghost and Daniel asked, is the house going to burn down tonight? And he got three loud bangs as a reply, meaning yes. Five minutes later, another fire was started. The ghost grabbed one of Esther's dresses and rolled it up in a ball, set it alight and threw it under the bed. Oh my God, he's on a mission, isn't he? He is. Isn't he burning his own house down? As well. Well, he doesn't give a shit, does he? He's already dead. Yeah, but I thought they liked living in houses. Well, this this one doesn't. I don't oh, know. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I think it was a valid question, Becky. It was a valid question, it was. Emma just can't answer it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Luckily, they managed to put it out without anybody being hurt, but this made everybody inside the house extremely concerned. I like that they're only concerned at that point. So for 20 minutes, (laughs) or however long it was, matches were falling, mini fires were starting. They're only concerned once the ball of fire arrives. Yeah. I mean, be concerned before, guys. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I'd have been concerned, like, when the bedclothes were being ripped off. Like weeks ago, we should have been concerned. Dan and Olive were terrified that next time the fire would be started somewhere they couldn't get to and the whole house would burn down with everyone, including their children, inside. They were now convinced that they had a ghost, and an evil one at that. Oh, so they're all agreeing that Esther's not a battery now, so... (laughs) Yeah. Okay. We'll leave that theory to one side. (laughs) (laughs) Three days later, Olive noticed smoke coming from the stairs down to the basement. She knew Esther hadn't moved from the kitchen as she was helping Jane do the dishes just like she always did. In a panic, Olive grabbed the bucket of drinking water the family always kept on the dining table and rushed downstairs. She saw that it was a barrel full of sawdust on fire. But in her panic, she had spilt most of the water she... Oh yeah, we've all been there, babe. She threw what she had left onto the fire, but it did nothing. The girls raced outside and started shouting for help. Luckily, a gentleman instantly threw off his coat and rushed towards the fire, grabbing one of the home's rugs on the way. He managed to put out the blaze and then he left without even waiting to be thanked. Him taking his coat off, was that relevant? Well, he was like in a rush and like he took it off like, here I come to the rescue type thing. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, never fear. Yeah, I bet he had a moustache. You know, he took his coat off like, I mean business. The coat's coming off. Fine, yeah. Or it's, just, it yeah. could have been a really nice coat and he didn't yeah. want to ruin it. Yeah, he was yeah. like, I've just bought this. Nah, I'll put this here. So he goes in, doesn't say a word, puts the fire out, leaves without talking. The strangest thing is that no one knew who this guy was. He'd never been seen before and he was never seen again. Did he pick his coat back up? I imagine so, yeah. Okay, Threw it over okay. his shoulder like, That's how it's fucking done. My work here is done. (laughs) Yeah, mooch off into the distance. He was an early Batman. Yep, yep. Bruce Wayne. Nonetheless, he had saved the house and no one was hurt. This All this is an origin story, isn't it, for Batman? (laughs) Yeah, Batman before. News of this fire spread in the village and people who had been dubious began to believe and were worried for their own homes after all. If a wind was blowing in the right direction, it would be all their homes that would catch fire. Yeah, One guy true. who still believed Esther was responsible for all of this suggested that whipping her would soon put a stop to all of this nonsense. Ah, uh, yes, the uh, classic whip the battery. <laughs> whip the battery. <laughs> yeah, let's whip the battery back into oh. shape. Luckily for her, no one agreed. There's always one dickhead, isn't there? Ah, then there's always more than one. I'm surprised I didn't get out the uh, medieval dildo on her because she had hysteria, to be honest. Is that a thing? The medieval dildo? I don't know if it was medieval, but yeah, that's how they used to treat hysteria, wasn't it? By making women come. I did not know that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Let's get invent a time machine. We'll be like, I think I'm a weird. I think I'm hysteric. Oh, no. Oh, no. 
That was a treatment for hysteria, wasn't it? What was it made out of, though? Wood. Oh, no, see, no. No, I don't know. I don't know what it was made. I don't know the ins and outs. I feel like I've... Oh, I'm not confident in what the I've just said. No, but it makes sense. If you feel stressed and you have a bit of a lady wank, you feel better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. you do. And then yeah. off to sleep. <laughs> yeah. A lady wank, yeah. <laughs> but I didn't know that. Fun fact. Fun fact. Fun facts with Tash. <laughs> Over the following weeks, the activity just intensified, putting everyone on edge. Until one evening, Esther stood up suddenly and shouted, Can you see him? He's there in the corner. He looks all grey and he's laughing at me. He says he'll set the attic on fire tonight and that we'll all die unless I leave the house. She was at this point suicidal, not knowing where to go or what to do. Daniel said you're going to have to find somewhere to go as we can't have the house burned down, especially tonight with the wind being so strong the whole village will go up in flames. He then remembered a friend of his called Mr White who had always asked about the activity and had shown great interest in it and had had a lot of sympathy for poor Esther. Dan explained to Esther that he didn't want to force her out, but it was better for everyone if she stayed somewhere else, so off they went to ask Mr White. When he opened the door, he was surprised to see Dan at such a late hour. He said, What is it, Teed? Has your house burnt down or has the girl exploded? (laughs) Which made me laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Daniel explained the situation and asked if Esther could stay with them. After asking his wife, Mr. White agreed that she could. It is to be noted that this couple were extremely brave, as no one else would have ever dared to offer their home to Esther. During her stay, all activity stopped, and Esther began feeling a lot better. Mrs. White grew quite attached to the young woman and treated her as one of her own. It wasn't until January 1879, so four months since the beginning of this whole ordeal, that the ghost made a comeback. Esther was clean. Guess who's back? Back again. That's her go-to Ghosties song. Ghosty's back. <laughs> you said a friend. Mm-hmm. Esther was... <laughs> <laughs> Tasha's having fun. Esther was cleaning one of the rooms at the White's house when the brush she was using vanished out of her hands. She then heard the ghost's voice say, It's mine now, in a horrifyingly playful way. Esther rushed to get Mrs. White. They searched high and low for the brush, but it was nowhere to be found. Then, suddenly, it fell from the ceiling, whacking Esther on the head as it fell. It now became clear just how powerful this ghost was. It could make things vanish and reappear whenever it wanted. Over the next few weeks, it kept on with this playful behaviour even performing for curious people who wanted proof. It would tap out the number of coins they had in their pockets and it would do other parlour tricks. But soon enough, it was back to its evil tricks again and started setting fires. Mr White, not wanting to lose his home, told Esther she would have to stay in his restaurant during the day. While she was in the dining area or in the kitchen, paranormal things still happened. Objects would move around and unexplained bangs would be heard by the entire restaurant. Everyone began giving Esther solutions to getting rid of the ghost, but nothing worked. One day, the stove door flew open in front of Mrs. White, so she got a broken axe handle and wedged it shut, only for the ghost to unscrew the hinges and the door fell to the floor. There's a man on the mission, isn't he? Yeah. 
So Mrs. White goes to get a guy from the restaurant to make sure that he's seeing it as well, that she's not hallucinating. They put the door back and once again, it was unscrewed and fell to the floor. Another time, Mrs. White's son was in the restaurant and the ghost stole his pocket knife and launched it at poor Esther's back. The knife stuck inside the wound. The the son, so Mrs. Yep. White's son, grabbed the knife out of Esther's back and put it back in his pocket, only for the exact same thing to happen again. So now Esther's been stabbed twice. At this point, he got, took the knife and hid it where no one would ever find it. The ghost began moving the furniture around the restaurant too, even the really heavy stuff. As an experiment, people decided to put four nails on Esther's knees as she sat down, fully expecting them to be moved. But no, as if the ghost was mocking them, he just made them so hot that no one could touch them, and then threw them across the room. Oh yeah, let's go and put nails next to the person that just keeps getting stabbed stabbed and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. Wankers. Everyone was at a loss about how to help poor Esther. Or putting nails on her knees won't help. <laughs> Stupid! You have to explore every single avenue, actually. Do you not think she might need a hospital? Maybe take her there? It sounds like she needs a dildo to me, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, hospital first, and then uh, extreme dildo measures later. <laughs> The news of her situation got to a Captain James Beck who invited Esther to his house where his friend Dr. Allwood would study her and try and help. He gathered a group of other scientists and together they all witnessed the bangs and started to try and communicate with the ghost. They even got some kind of a code sorted so that the ghost could knock out letters of the alphabet. To their surprise, they discovered that Esther didn't just have one ghost attached to her, she had three. Oh gosh, Esther, greedy mare. The most evil being Bob Nickel. The other, almost as unpleasant as him, was Maggie Fisher. And the third was one of Esther's relatives called Peter Cox. And he was trying his best to protect Esther from the other two. After three weeks, Esther returned to Amherst, where she would stay with another family called Mr and Mrs Van Amberg where all the activity seemed to stop. Hoping it was all over, she returned to her house to live with Olive and Daniel. Mr White gave her a job working in the restaurant and she gladly accepted. But of course, as Esther cannot catch a fucking break, the ghost soon returned. Only this time he was not alone. Now he had friends. Another man called Walter Hubble decided to go and stay with the family. This confuses me. The amount of people that are just turning up at this family's house, like, I'm staying and I'm watching. Yeah, there's watching. a lot of coming and going, isn't there? Yeah. It was already full in the first place. So he decides he's going to go and stay with the family, determined to debunk everything and to prove that Esther was faking it all. The minute he got into the house, everything went crazy. His umbrella was levitated above his head and a knife was thrown at his feet. Every room he went into, the chairs all toppled over. And when eventually he did manage to sit, an invisible force stopped him from moving. They don't like you very much, said Esther. I'm not leaving, replied Walter. I came to investigate and investigate I shall. 
Just as the words left his mouth, loud knocking came from under the table where they were sat. He made sure that he could see Esther's hands and feet at all times. During his stay, he had children's shoes thrown at him, an ink bottle emptied over his head, chairs would constantly be pushed over or even stacked up and then pushed over, a very heavy paperweight was thrown at his head and just missed by centimetres, luckily because that would have like killed him, and a fire was lit on the staircase. Through his communication with the spirits via the knocking code, three more ghosts made their presence known. Mary Fisher, who was Maggie's sister, Jane Nicholl and Eliza McNeil. Each said they had lived on earth, but they had never seen God. But they had, however, all seen the devil and had been to hell. Things got stranger and more violent the more Mr Hubble stayed. Chairs would fall and pick themselves back up again. The drinking water that was on the dining table began boiling out of nowhere without any heat source. The family cat was thrown across the room, nearly killing it from fear. The cat then stayed the rest of the day outside in a constant state of panic. If it heard anything, it would puff up, you know, like cats do when they're frightened. Yeah. Esther came downstairs and was followed by a chair. I don't know why, but that terrified me. I mean, it's creepy as fuck. But was the chair levitating or was it like walking like a spider? Oh, I don't know, and I don't like either of those suggestions. Oh, spider chair. Oh, fuck spider chair, man. Spider chair, spider Spider chair, chair. does whatever a spider spider chair chair does. does. Comes downstairs (laughs) on its feet, and it crawls around like a spider. (laughs) Spider chair. Here comes a spider chair. boo Matches began falling from the ceiling again. Being a smoker, Mr. Hubble jokingly asked for more, because, you know, why not? Mr. Hubble, I keep thinking of Barney Rubble, so that's how I'm picturing him to look. Okay. Well, that's fine. Okay. And he came over using a car, but he's muttered by his feet. Yeah, with a big wooden club that could possibly be used as a dildo. That that's it stuck with you, hasn't it? The the dildo. <laughs> uh, Mr. Hubble, being a smoker, he jokingly asked for more lit matches to fall from the ceiling, and he got forty five lit matches chucked at him. Sweet baby Jesus, that's a lot. That is a lot. One day, a trumpet could be heard throughout the house, even though nobody owned a trumpet. It started very early in the morning and continued all day until late in the evening. That's fucking annoying (laughs) we were talking about it earlier we were that's not a trumpet but it could be played by a trumpet it could that's not not a trumpet i can't remember what what instrument it is but i think it's a trombone but they're all like one of the same aren't they just different sizes yeah. Oh, I feel like I've offended a We've lot. We've just of- pissed off like loads of musicians. <laughs> I'm so sorry. What no. a, it's not a fucking trumpet. <laughs> what are they talking about? Our lack of knowledge. Yeah. I mean, everyone knows fault. all we can play is the recorder. Emma plays the piano, don't you? I used to play the yeah. piano, indeed, yeah. But still, I can't tell you what goes bum, 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 bum. I think it's trombone. It goes bum, 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 bum. I think that's it. 
And then the violins come in with the really stressy oh, music. The like, whole like, thing yeah. is anxiety. I tell you what, that would drive me hysterical. And I would need yeah. the dildo treatment for that. <laughs> well, we've got Barney Rubble ready. <laughs> <laughs> so this trumpet, it's been going on all day. Nobody's got a trumpet. Nobody knows where this trumpet noise is coming from. It's Sonia from EastEnders. Does she play the That's trumpet? That's a very old reference. <laughs> yeah, she used to play the trumpet. British people will know that Showing reference. Showing our age there, are we? <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> EastEnders plays in America as well, so Americans may get the, the reference as well. This all continued until late in the evening. Then the ghost let the trumpet fall to the ground. A real solid trumpet that no one had ever seen before. Oh, done. So they're having a look around for the trumpet and then all of a sudden he drops this massive brass trumpet from the air. Well, this one looked like it was made out of silver, but yeah, it just materialised from nowhere and nobody had ever seen this trumpet before. Wow. Esther was attacked by pins one day and Mr Hubble removed at least 30 during the day from her body. I mean, if we've said it once, we've said it a hundred times. Why the fuck do they not just move? We're getting there. Having had more than enough, Esther visited a priest and spent the day praying. On her return, as if disgusted by her behaviour, the ghosts attacked her with a shard of bone that was in the yard and stabbed her cheek with a fork. Whilst Mr Hubble was at their home, Esther often would go into trances and talk to people that weren't there. She even spoke to her dead mother. And when she came to, she would say she'd been to heaven and seen the angels. She continued to be plagued during the night and the swelling started again. One night, Daniel called Mr. Hubble to come and watch as she was wailing and riling in agony as her body doubled in size. You see, said Dan, can you see now how much she's suffering? Hubble was shocked and said, are you sure medication doesn't help? To which Olive replied, no, you might as well just give her water. It does nothing. This painful episode lasted for three hours in which Esther was begging to die. When it ended, as usual, she collapsed from exhaustion. Mr Hubble and Mr White took Esther on tour to show the country the strange activity that was attached to her. But they had to cut the tour short because people were so outraged by what they thought was false claims, the riots almost broke out. Near the end of July, the activity reached an all-time horrendous and dangerous peak, so much so that it was thought best to keep Esther out of the house as much as possible, for they feared that she would be killed. Chairs would be thrown at the walls, knives were flung with such force that they stayed stuck into the doors and the walls, bedclothes were continuously ripped off, the sofas would be tipped over, fires were breaking out almost daily, and worst of all, the family were now hearing the disembodied voices calling them throughout the day. During this period, Esther started to work on a farm, but when the barn burnt down, she was accused of arson and sentenced to four months in prison. She only served four weeks, but on her return, things began again just as bad as before. John and William moved out of the house as they couldn't take it any more and Esther was politely asked to leave by the rest of the family. She packed her things and went back to live with her friends, the Van Ambergs, where all activity stopped for good, finally. 
The teed house was no longer haunted and Esther could lead a normal life. She got married to a man named Adam Porter and moved to Brockton in Massachusetts in America. She died in 1912, aged 40. Walter Hubble went on to write a book called The Haunted House, A True Ghost Story, which was extremely popular and sold 55,000 copies. He really um, made an effort to look for that title, The Haunted House. He did, he did. uh, Yeah. The great Amherst mystery and Esther Cox's story remains to this day unsolved and continues to terrify people all over the world. And there you go. Well, that was a trip. Crazy fucking times. That was a lot, wasn't it? I really liked it, though. It was a really good story. Thank you so much. Potato. Well done, Emma. You're more than welcome. And if anyone was interested... Over the years, treatment for this condition ranged from pelvic massage, forcing the woman to orgasm and release excess fluid, squirting, uh, leeches on the abdomen to reduce blood in the womb, and marriage. (laughs) Yeah. Marriage is a medical treatment. I mean, I suppose it's not as, as, I mean, it's just as insane as the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. I'm, I'm glad we're not alive. When that was going on. Yeah. And they talk about clitoral stimulation. Yeah, maybe they could teach men that now. Yeah, if they knew where it was back then, they must know where it is now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they talk about, like, masturbation for pain relief, don't they? Like, when women are in labour, they're like, if you have a wank, it doesn't hurt as much. (laughs) I think it's because you release, like, is it oxytocin? endorphins or dopamine endorphins and all that yeah so i think it's that isn't it some of the good shit can you imagine being in hospital though like in absolute fucking agony (laughs) you're about to birth a human and the nurse is like just have a little lady wank you'll be right (laughs) 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 Uh, anyway should we stick a trailer in here for a palate cleanser yeah fuck it Hey listeners, Nikki Young here, host of the international true crime podcast, Serial Napper. If you like listening to true crime stories while you're falling asleep, you're going to love Serial Napper. Each week, I feature a different true crime story from somewhere around the world, told succinctly the way that it happened. Just the facts, ma'am. I like to cover a lot of unsolved true crime cases that don't get the media attention that they deserve. Then, at the end of each month, I host an online true crime Zoom chat where we go through the cases that I've covered and talk about the details, the key players, suspects, theories, and any recent developments. It's a chance to take your true crime listening experience up a notch and chat with other true crime followers just like you. We have a great community, and I'd like to thank a great true crime podcast. Episodes drop every Friday where you can enjoy 30 minutes of extensive detail and research. You can listen to Serial Napper on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Anyway, Becky. Yeah. Have you got a story for us? I do, because I I know what we do on the podcast, so I know that I have to read a story every week. All right, Madam Saki Pants. <laughs> <laughs> no. I hadn't opened my notes. I was just trying to speak while I opened them. So it looked like I already had opened them and I was organized, but I wasn't. But now they are open. Right. Well, strap yourself in with your 
medieval dildo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, before I start my story, I got a an email from oh. Nicole. And Hi, Nicole. she said, Yo, Nicole. After this weekend's episode, I want wanted to be sure to reach out and say hi and share the love. I usually respond through Facebook for the songs, but want to make sure that you feel the love too. Oh, I haven't figured out the song yet, but working on it. This was six days ago. But yeah, thank you so much, Nicole. That's so nice. But also, now I feel like I'm, I'm really needy and I ask lots of people to send me <laughs> <You> are. <laughs> and now I've kind of guilted people into sending you know me an email. Becky comes across all sweetness and light. She is the neediest person on this podcast. I am not. Oh my God, she's so needy. <laughs> Fucking needy. She never stops messaging. Never. She never stops yeah. asking for love. Constant. She's always like, oh. And we're just like, oh my God, this girl. I'm a, I'm a pretty. I'm a pretty. Do you like me? Do you like <laughs> me? She's only here because we would never have heard the end of it. We yeah. never would have heard oh. the end of it. <laughs> Imagine if I was like that, though. <laughs> and you two had to talk to each other. I'd be like, have you given Becky enough love today? Oh, actually, no, I haven't. I'll go and do it now. If you were like that, babes, we, Manage me. we would not be friends. Yeah. No! <laughs> I mean, au contraire, Becky is literally so low maintenance as a friend. The shittest person at replying, though. I'm like, I'm going to reply to that. And then six days later, I'm like, oh, shit, yeah. I didn't reply. Right, so my story takes place in Knoxville, Tennessee. Knoxville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Knoxville, Tennessee. A little after 6am on Monday the 21st of November 2016, Jill Walker woke up, just like every other Monday morning, to get ready for the day. She's now dressed and walking down her hallway to go downstairs. And then she's walking by her daughter's bedroom, she realised that her daughter hadn't woken up for school yet. So her daughter was 16-year-old Emma Walker. So she went into her daughter's room to wake her up, opened the curtains, and sort of tapped her leg as she walked by her bed and said, you know, hi, time to get up. But Emma didn't move. Oh, no. And that's when Jill looked at her daughter's face and she was white and her lips were bluish. Oh, shit. And it looked like she had been sick on her pillow. She tried to shake her daughter awake and then she checked her pulse. Realising her daughter had no pulse, Jill quickly dialed 911 to get help. After speaking to the operator and explaining that her 16-year-old had no pulse and was unresponsive, the operator sent an ambulance and the police to the Walker household. They arrived on scene to a distraught family and confirmed the horrific news, Emma was deceased. As the detectives and friends, oh, and Forsnick teams looked around, <laughs> <laughs> forensic teams looked around Emma's room, one of the detectives spots what seems to be a hole in the wall. And after looking at it closer, he, said, he was like, this looks like a bullet hole. Oh, fucking So he hell. goes around the side of the house and confirms there are actually two bullet holes in the side of the wall, both about shoulder height. So obviously it turned into a crime scene at that point. So they started putting police tape all around the house and they were walking around outside. But the Walker family still had no idea what was going on, what had happened. 
So at first, the parents, Jill and Mark Walker, were questioned. I mean, I know that it's procedure, but they were kind of treating them like suspects at first. And they had to go through all this questioning after they just found that their daughter was dead. Yeah, hardcore. And it was now very quickly being treated as a murder. Yeah. So it's, I know that it's procedure, but it must just be heartbreaking. Oh, yeah. It doesn't help. Yeah, no. Yeah. Emma's younger brother, Evan, was also questioned. So Mark, the dad, said that he'd heard a loud bang in the night, which woke him up. So what he did is he went and checked on both his his children, who both appeared to be asleep. He just kind of opened their door and had a look in, you know how we do. Yeah, 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 yeah. And after a quick wander around the house, he thought, well, there's nothing, and he went back to bed. Autopsy would reveal that Emma had been shot in the head just behind her left ear. And what her mother thought was vomit on her pillow was actually brain matter that had leaked out. Oh, my God. And there was another bullet lodged in her pillow. So whoever had shot, it was from outside of the house in, and they they must have known where they were shooting. But how did it get into the wall then? Or did it go straight through her? Straight through, they could see the holes. So it just went straight through her? Straight through the wall, straight from the outside of the house. Okay, okay, I'm with you. That's why they, yeah, that's why they went outside earlier. So it's whoever, the shooter was outside the house and they'd shot into the house. God, I didn't know you could shoot bullets through a wall. I think it depends on the type of wall, yeah, I, I suppose. I suppose so, yeah. What, what it's built out of, but yeah. The six metre thick walls that you get in some of the uh, French properties, I don't think it got quite through that. But After questioning her family and some of her friends that Emma was texting the night before, the same person's name kept popping up. They learnt that Emma seemed to be living her teenage dream. She was a cheerleader at the Central High School in Knoxville, Tennessee, and she was surrounded by loving friends, and she was even dating a boy on the football team. Emma had begun dating Riley Gall when she was 14 and he was 16. Riley was dating someone else at the time, but quickly dumped her when he found out that Emma had a crush on him. So he was like, see ya, to whoever he was dating. They were the perfect cheerleader couple. You know, like in these American films, the cheerleader and the jock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark and Jill Walker, so Emma's parents, thought that this Riley guy was great at first. Fit for their daughter, Jill would say that he was very likeable, and Mark said that he was a very nice-looking young man and well-mannered. But Emma's friends and family soon began to realise that Riley had a very controlling side. Lauren Hutton, one of Emma's classmates, said, and this is the quote, he got more possessive and more clingy towards her and wouldn't let her do certain things, unquote. So he was just basically super controlling. Yeah. Emma's friends didn't like the fact that Emma couldn't be herself when he was around. She was very quiet and reserved, like he was keeping her in check. I mean, that's massive, massive red flag. A huge red flag. Over the next two years that they dated, Emma and Riley became the on-again, off-again couple, having really dramatic fights. Or we all know, or we all knew a couple yes, that was like did. that. I think I was a couple like that, yeah. I don't remember you being like that. Was it before Becky? It was pre-Bex. Pre-Bex and Tash. The Dark Ages. What sad, sad life you had before us. I know. (laughs) 
At one point, Riley sent a Snapchat messages that read, I hate you. I hate everything about you. You're dead to me. Jesus. I'll check the obituary. Fuck you. Oh. He sounds delightful. I don't know what he meant, though, by I'll check the obituary. That feels like a threat to me, babes. When Emma's parents saw these messages, they immediately banned Riley from their home. Too right? Yeah. And they took the daughter's mobile phone away because he wouldn't stop contacting her. That's why they did that. Also, she couldn't stay away from him. They, Like I said, they We've were the on-again. We've all been in that dick sand. Couple. It's dick sand. Yeah. Toxic, but they can't stay away from each other. Been there, done that. Sucks. Mm-hmm. But Riley gave her an iPod touch so that they could still stay in contact over the Wi-Fi. For every nasty message Riley sent, there was also a very quick apology, like, Emma, I'm so sorry for the way I act. I love you more than words can describe. I'm sorry. I could have written this. And she's called Emma. I know. (laughs) Around Halloween that year, Emma's parents decided to ground her, not allowing her to leave the house except to go to school and cheerleading. And they started monitoring everywhere she went, and to their surprise, it seemed to work. She did become her old self again, her father would say. And this is a quote. She actually came out of her room and ate dinner with us and wanted to socialise with us again. That just made me feel really sad (laughs) to hear him say that. We've all been a moody teenager at one point, but this guy was just completely isolating her from everyone. Yeah. And when she managed as well to split up with him and they managed to keep them away from each other, she was kind of coming back to normal. Yeah, yeah. Emma had even texted her friend Keegan, so Keegan Lyle, to say that she and Riley were, quote, done for good. Finished, finished. But Riley didn't seem to take the breakup well. While in his college dorm room, so this is after, yeah, as they were dating for two years, yeah, he's, he he's had actually gone off to college. Now, yeah, yeah he's, he's moved up now, so they're not in the same school. So while in his college dorm room, he swallowed a few of those Vicodin pills and washed them down with alcohol in an attempt to commit suicide. But he didn't take anywhere near enough pills. It was just for like... Attention. Yeah. Attention. Attention! Which I don't really like saying that, but this guy, this is what it was. Yeah. This was all to get back at Emma. Yeah. Like, look how miserable I am. Please yeah. take me back. I mean, classic narcissistic move yeah controlling twunt waffle well it's like what that stephen pladel did do you remember yeah. stephen pladel who ended up with his daughter before he ended up with his daughter he said to his wife if you leave me i'm gonna kill myself it's the worst thing yeah you can do to somebody it's horrible it's awful thing to say to somebody mm. riley didn't stop there though riley even faked his own kidnapping to win emma back what a loser. Riley needs to be sectioned. Somebody yeah. needs to step in. What the fuck are Riley's parents doing? I don't know. This wasn't Riley's parents weren't mentioned in any of the articles, so I think they're a bit like, nope. Riley faked his own kidnapping. He did this by texting Emma from an unknown number while she was at a party. So she was trying to get back to normal. Live her life. Yeah. yeah. This is after she was ungrounded by her parents. Yeah, yeah. And she was receiving messages like, go to your car with your keys. Go alone. Fuck no. I've got someone you love. If you don't comply, I will hurt them. Jesus Christ, ma'am. 
That is like so manipulative. Yeah, but because Emma's used to his shit, she's not kind of buying it at first. A lot of doubt here. Good girl. So Emma, yeah, Emma was just sort of like mulling around at this party trying to have fun. And Riley probably knew that she was there and wanted to do this. So Fuming. Look, like yeah. she's having fun. How dare she? Who's she with? Who's she talking to? Mm-hmm. I know, I know this guy. I know this guy. <laughs> I think a lot of us know a guy like this to some degree. Mm-hmm. Emma showed the messages to one of her friends, a guy called Zach Green, who was also at the party. Emma thought it was one of Riley's friends playing a prank on her. But when she texted back, threatening to call the police, the text messages became more menacing. It started saying... You need to call me. If you want to hear someone screaming and crying and while I kill them or stuff like that, give me a call and you'll hear them. Jesus Christ. And then as she was just not not doing it and not replying, it then said, we've dropped Riley outside. So they didn't really mention Riley. There was just someone that you love. And then all of a sudden we've dropped him outside, but they mentioned that it was Riley by name. Yeah. So they go outside this house party, and they kind of go across the road and they see Riley in the ditch. And then they were like, what are you doing? And he kind of lifted his head up, trying to pretend to look all confused, be like, oh, oh, wh- wh- what what happened? I don't know how I got what here. Belly. What an absolute, <laughs> what an absolute twat. Yeah, I've been kidnapped. Someone dropped me off here. Oh, what's happening? Where am I? How did I get here? You got there because you're a fucking loser, mate. That's how. Yeah. Holding his head like he got, like he'd been smacked on the side of his head. But he was lying in the ditch in a way that he just kind of lied down. Not, you know, when he's thrown in a ditch, you kind of, you'd be dirty because you'd hit the ditch in a way that mud would get on you. Yeah. He was just laying down in the ditch. No exaggeration when I say I know this guy. I (laughs) have had a guy turn up at my front door saying that another guy that I knew and was kind of seeing at the time had beaten him up and thrown him in a ditch, right? This is freaking me out. He'd punched himself in the face to make it look like he'd been punched. And he'd, like, made himself look dirty, but he wasn't wet, so I knew he hadn't been in the ditch because all the ditches are, like, soaking wet. And the guy that was supposed to have done this to him was actually in my front room at the time, so I knew he was full of shit. So I know this guy. This is so creepy. Oh, I remember you telling me that story. Yeah, well, uh, French, American, you know, there's weirdos everywhere. It's like we're getting the same story. This guy was actually English. I have known another guy similar who was French, but this particular ditch guy was English. Ah! Oh, dear. (sighs) Nah, mental. Why do we attract mental? (laughs) I attract him like fucking moss to a flame, man. (laughs) I'm glad you got a good, a nice one in the end. I did. Ben's the most unmental person in the world. He is. He is. (laughs) He's lovely. I got you two nutters, though, so that worked out. Yeah, but we're good mental, that's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need a little bit of crazy in your life. Hell yes. So, Riley's just lying there in the ditch like a dickhead. (laughs) And 
both Emma and Zach kind of look at each other and are really uneasy about the whole thing. Just a bit like cringy, like, what are you doing? This is obviously fake. Emma was like, we broke up, leave me alone, bye. So they went back into the party and had a nice time. And Riley rang one of his friends as he was walking down the road. And he was like, I've just been kidnapped. And his friend was like, fuck off. No, you haven't. Oh, Jesus. Even his friends are like, you're a bell end. Yeah, had enough of his shit. And then um, he rang another friend. And the friend was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ring the police. And he was like, no, 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 no police, no police. And they did end up ringing the police about that. The following day... Emma was home alone when she was just chilling in her house and then she kind of saw this guy walk around the house and he was dressed all in black, like a burglar would dress. Yeah. And he was just circling the house and she didn't recognise him. He just went then and stood at the front door and wouldn't move for ages. I don't like that at all. No, and then he started ringing the doorbell over and over again. No, that's worse than the fucking sheets moving in the corner by themselves. Don't like it at all. And the spider chair. (laughs) Spider chair, spider chair. (laughs) She texts Riley saying i hate you but i need you right now and she explained what was going on oh emma no emma don't do it yeah riley's text back almost straight away because he's like hanging on her every word and she he's like i'm coming i'm speeding just give me a minute emma was supposed to meet up with her mother that morning and when she didn't turn up jill was like right well i'm coming home she's obviously forgotten and as she pulled up to her house she saw that Riley and Emma were sat on the front lawn together. Oh, that's not going to go down well. No, and she was like, you're kidding me. He's not allowed here. I've told you. So she basically told Riley to fuck off in a very polite way. Yeah. And he said, no, I'm here to help. I'm making sure that Emma's okay. And Jill was on this interview was saying he was just trying to talk to me and she was just like, no, she just cut him off and was not taking his bullshit. And she was like, no, we we don't want you here. You need to leave now. Emma was visibly shaken and she thought it was probably a burglar or maybe even a stalker. But Jill wasn't convinced. Mum was like, Emma, do you not find it odd that Riley was involved in this apparent kidnapping yesterday? And then he's just happens to turn up within minutes of you calling him about this other stalker. And the man who was at the door disappeared like a couple of minutes before Riley turned up. I mean, it's suspicious. A little bit weird, isn't it? So, I mean, if they, if, so you, if they saw them together, then obviously that's a little bit different. But no, no, it was probably Riley dressing up just to get attention again to be called by Emma. It was definitely that, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely that. Jill said to her daughter, he's just trying to get your attention and he's going absolutely overboard trying to do it. After Emma's murder, Riley was all over social media like, oh my god, I love you, Emma, my first love, gone forever, RIP, RIP. Just like really over the top. Milking it. Uh, Well, no, no, it's not over the top because he was obsessed with her and uh, it was just constant like, my girl, gone forever, all this. Yes, but it's narcissistic behaviour. It's my girl, you know. Yeah, my Emma. Mm, Just posting loads of pictures. I mean, they were together for two years, so they were together for a long time. But when he was questioned by the police, he was completely emotionless. 
The detective said, and this is a quote, his interview was probably one of the most disconnected. It seemed completely rehearsed and deliberate. He also referred to Emma as the girl instead of calling her by name. They'd be like talking about Emma and then he would say something about her and they'd say, who are you talking about? And he'd say, the girl. And they'd say, what girl? The girl who died? Rather than calling her Emma. That's That's really weird. He's like disassociating himself. Yeah. Riley's friends, Alex McCarty and Noah Walton... So Noah was the friend that was like, nah, you haven't been kidnapped, fuck off. (laughs) They thought Riley was acting super strange after the murder, but things took a turn when Riley asked them how he could get fingerprints off a gun. Oh. Suspicious. Yeah. That's when Riley showed Alex his grandfather's gun. Riley's grandfather used to keep this gun in his car, and he had actually reported the gun missing prior to Riley being questioned. Jesus. Alex and Noah came forward to the police and they organised a sting operation. So this is happening very quick. This is a Tuesday night, just one day after Emma's murder. So we find Emma dead on the Monday morning and this is Tuesday. They've already gone through all those questions, all those questioning, all those people. And they're already organising a sting on the Tuesday. So for once, very good police work. Well done. They're on it. They're on it like a carb on it. So detectives wired the two teens up with microphones, a transmitter where police could listen in, and a video camera hidden in a key fob, so like in a, you know, car key. So they planned out this sting operation to recover the potential murder weapons of this gun. Obviously, there were concerns for their safety. The police went over all that with Noah and Alex, and they were still adamant, very adamant, that they wanted to do this. They understood the dangers and the concerns, but they wanted to do it. And these were his friends, but so I think they knew that things were going sour for a while. Mm. The sting operation was a success, and Riley was arrested. In addition to the gun, police recovered what they believed to be a treasure trove of evidence, including gloves, black clothing, which authorities say point to Riley also being the famous man dressed in black who was mysteriously at the walker's door the Saturday morning before she was killed. And at his trial in May 2018, Riley's defence attorney argued in court that he had never meant to kill Emma, but had fired the gun to try and scare her, get her attention of her to come back to him. So obviously firing a gun at someone would just make her want to jump in his arms and they'll sail off into the distance in his head. That is how it works. Obviously. Absolutely not. How could anyone think, right, I'm going to shoot at her and then she's going to love me again? Riley Gall was found guilty of first degree murder during the trial and sentenced to life in prison with parole after 51 years. Oh, so he's gone for a long time. Yeah, for a long, long time. So since her death, Emma Walker's family have tried to keep her legacy alive. Her mother said she loved animals and wanted to be a NICU nurse. So the family has since gotten a dog park and a NICU patient room at East Tennessee's Children's Hospital named after her. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Jill said, it's all the things that are a part of Emma and all mean something. 
she added that she also hopes that people remember her by being kind to others. So there we are. That's the murder of poor Emma Walker leaving her mum, Jill, her dad, Mark, and her little brother, Evan. Oh, it's so sad. And all of her friends. Yeah. So awful, isn't it? Oh, she's so lovely. Just innocent looking as well. I mean, I know that doesn't change much, but she just looks lovely. Yeah. You know, you know those people that you get and you think you're a nice yeah, person. Yeah, friendly face. That's what she looks kind like. Kind face. Yeah. So do we think he meant to kill her or it was a genuine accident? Well, he knew what her bedroom looked like and she, and it was a one-story house. So he knew where her bedroom was. He knew roughly where he was. If he wanted to scare her, he would have pointed it like near the ceiling. So you know that you're not going to hit her. So he did it on purpose. Yeah. He could have looked through the window as well and made sure that he was aiming right. What a fucker. Yep. <sighs> what an asshole. Actually, one of our listeners used um, a good insult that is not used enough, in in uh, in my opinion. He's a wank stain. He is a wank stain. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah. That's a great insult. Isn't it just? A mouldy wank stain. He's a wank sock. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Squidgy. Moist. I imagine them being dry and crusty. Yeah, I was going to say, more like cardboardy solid. Mm. See, well, you obviously have more experience with wank socks than than I. (laughs) So. (laughs) But there we are. That's Mickish. Thanks Thanks for that, Becky. And, uh, yeah, well, don't really know what to say. It's shit. Really shit. Yeah. Her friends were all around her throughout the whole thing as well. They were like, just just get rid of him. And they were so happy in those few weeks that she had without him. And they were like, it's like we got our Emma back. And she had the best friends and like good parents and everything. It's just he was a complete and utter psycho. Wankstein. That took her anyway. Yeah. Come sock. It was like, if, if I can't have her, no one else can. Ugh. Bless her. Ladies, let's not let men treat us like that. No. If they start wanting to control what you do, who you see, where you go, it's a uh, fuck off. Yeah, well, anyone, if anyone tries to treat you that way, that's not the way it is. It's not the way. No. Anyway, do you want to do the horror song? Yeah. And my horror song rhymes. All right, fancy pants. I'm better than all of you. <laughs> Are you? No, probably not. She's more poetic. It rhymes. It's not. It's not very long. I, I can't work miracles. <laughs> I feel like if there's only two lines that rhyme, is that really a rhyme? Oh no, no. There's there's eight lines. Go on, show us all up with your horror poem. She's a psycho girl in this already crazy world. Don't fall for her. It's a trap, or you'll end up in her plastic wrap. She's stunning with her perfect hair. But inside, there's nothing there. Beware of her, she's not a toy. Her beauty hides a sinister ploy. <gasps> well done. Look at you rhyming. Well, no idea. Anyway, shall we wrap this up? Let's and wrap it up. <laughs> you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and they are all under SCSK underscore podcast. 
Facebook and YouTube under Spine Chillers and Serial Killers, or you can email Becky on chillers.killers.pod at gmail.com. So yeah, any of your suggestions for future cases or any ghost stories, anything like that, send me an email. And if you did enjoy this episode, please don't hesitate to leave us a review or a rating. That would be marvellous. We would love it. So amazing. We would love it. Just like a medieval dildo. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I'd love that. <laughs> Rammers with the five stars. Anyway, thanks, guys. I'm off to uh, charge my medieval dildo. <laughs> Stay safe. Don't kill people. And keep it weird. Bye. Bye. Jingle, 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 jingle. You have, you have to put your little pretend jingle in the cutouts at the end. I can feel a burp coming. Hold on. That's staying in. Oh, that one's for the outtake. That's staying in. Yeah, <laughs> I just love how comfortable we are with each other. Like, so comfortable to the point we literally forget we're on a podcast. Have you ever watched Peter Rabbit? You know, the car- kids cartoon and there's one of the girl yeah. rabbits. She- Peter Rabbit. Yeah, that's it. And she's got Peter a just-in-case pocket, hasn't she? She goes, just-in-case pocket, yes. just-in-case. This is a just-in-case yeah. dildo. Just-in-case dildo, yeah. just-in-case. You never know, you never know. You never know when you're going to need a dildo. But you know that you are going to need it eventually. Exactly. Let's get out the phlegm. (laughs) Ah, ah, my throat. (laughs) That's definitely staying in.